Huntress podcast, where we embrace, encourage, and empower the mighty Huntress. I'm Heather, Huntress, Falconer, and proud Canadian. And I'm Katie, Huntress, student of bushcraft, and proud Canadian. Welcome to today's episode. Um, We are going to be talking about turkey hunting and gear, talking about some of the highs and lows from our season and um, some of the gear we had, some of the gear we wish we had. Um, Yeah, so welcome and enjoy. Katie, take it away. (laughs) Okay, so this was quite an eventful um, turkey season this year. there was a lot of real fun moments. Um, there was a lot of like slogging that happened. <laughs> I felt like I was slogging <laughs> through marsh a fair bit. And, um, and then, yeah, there was some really um, kind of precious moments, I think, that I, that I hold on to. So, Heather, I'm wondering, um, what did you most enjoy about this season? Okay, so one of the most magical moments I think this season um, was when we we have this one private land that's just lovely, just fields and forests, it's beautiful. Um, and we we're hearing this like weird dinosaur and couldn't figure out what it was. And the sandhill crane came out of nowhere. And so we saw this pair of sandhill cranes and they kind of greeted us every time we went into the field there. That was, I don't know if anybody, amazing. yeah, there was such a wild bird. That, the sound, like, I don't know, I never have heard anything like that. Like, it was obviously bird, but it really sounded like I was in a dinosaur movie. It was crazy. Yeah. The way it reverberates or across the airwaves was just, I don't know. I've never heard that before. And I, th- there are people out there who hear them all the time, I'm sure, and find them loud and annoying. But it was <laughs> magical for me. <laughs> really? Well, the, the thing I thought that was amazing. Yeah, the thing that makes them so magical too is their size, right? Like they're oh. so massive. Um, to puts a turkey to shame. <laughs> and it seemed like they they were circling us, like they were specifically circling us. We were um, intruders in the hay field, and they were living in a pond right next to the hay field. And we'd be walking through the hayfield and they, it was like they would do a, a, a full circle around us and then land in the hayfield and kind of squawk a little bit more and then up back in the air, circle around us again. And um, we didn't want to disturb them too much. Um, I spoke to the farmer and he loves them there too. And um, he really wants them to stay. So uh, we didn't want to like poke around too much or disturb them too much. but. Um, yeah just watching them like we would just both basically stop in the field just to watch these birds circle us it's amazing this season well and it, it gave me the opportunity again I, I talked about this last time we did the podcast um in the last episode you know using some of your time to learn about where you're hunting right and so I, I spent a bit of time doing some research on sandhill cranes because mm. I've not seen them in this area before of southwestern Ontario so this is sort of sort of a new I've seen them before in my life but not in this area so I was curious about that if they were kind of native to this area or what was going on there and yeah they were almost hunted to extinction like many creatures in Ontario mm. and Canada 
and um, their numbers are increasing, which is fantastic. So that's probably why we're seeing them down this way. Mm. Um, the farmer said, I think it was last year, the year before, they actually hatched a few eggs. And so um, just really cool. Hope they keep, yeah. grow- hope that little, that little colony keeps growing. And next time we're out there, we see even more. That'd be awesome. Um, was there anything else? Any other kind of, um, we had a couple of really close encounters with the turkeys and mm-hmm. it did feel like we did a lot of learning. Although I don't know always what to make out of <laughs> when they would show up and when they wouldn't. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I'm any closer yeah. to predicting <laughs> where to set up or um, where they will move uh, through. Uh, so I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't think we can claim to be experts yet, but um, there were some close calls um, and it really does feel um like there was a lot of learning and I mean, I'm just, I'm just taking the season for what it is. Yeah. We saw action. We heard calls. We, we called them close. Like, you know, I think we did a lot of things, right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Just came home with an empty bag in the end. still. (laughs) yeah. And that's the way it goes some years. Right. I remember watching a video one time um, and the guy made a comment in it that, you know, if you can bring home a turkey, every two or three years you're a pretty good turkey hunter so well and I, I think that depends too on your numbers right depends on where you are and how exactly. easily accessible it is because we talked about before in, in this area um like public hunting lands are littered with hunters so right. it you know the turkeys are very sparse they know they're being hunted and they're staying on land that they're not being hunted on we did hear, though, of an instance of uh, a fella in one of the in one of the lands that we the public lands that we hunt on, um, who comes out every year and gets a turkey every year. <laughs> he's got his sweet spot and he's got it figured out where to go. And actually, it was um, it's just on the opposite side, but it's the same flock of birds as the first day of the hunt. We almost pulled one over um opposite the direction that he sits in so he sits just on the other side of the plot where they live and we were on the far side of where they live and we pulled one over like 500 meters and um so like almost half a kilometer he came over but then at the last minute ducked out but that's that bird was from that same flock that that guy gets a turkey from every year and I think part of the keys maybe part of the key for that public public country on public lands is like going into the most annoying part to to walk like you had to go through water and fight through mosquitoes and you got to get out there the first within the first few days because then after that they know and they are shy they're super shy so I think that might be the key for that particular location um come from the other side get out there early and be ready when it does come so anyways so uh, we talked about some of the things we most enjoyed about this season um what was something that you least enjoyed yeah that's what i was just trying to think about um 
So certainly the ticks um, were oh unbelievable in this area this year. Yeah, yeah, um, I Okay, so I'm 32. I haven't seen a tick until I was like 30. My whole life, I did not ever see a tick. And I was a kid that played in the woods, in the creek, in like the wildest of wilds. And mm. I never had a tick on me until like two years ago. And this year, they've, they've just exploded. Yeah. Um, so that was really hard. Um that and getting up early oh I, you know hunting really <laughs> makes you realize how not a morning person you can be <laughs> it's yeah mornings are really tough for me so that was that was actually a challenge that we bumped into kind of together collectively um which is getting out there early enough well and I started thinking halfway through that didn't matter if we needed to be out there early um maybe we were putting too much um emphasis on that uh, I think by the end of the season I was coming around back to this the original that yeah we need to be out there early <laughs> there was a couple of mornings where one of us was sleeping didn't set our alarm like actually to be honest most mornings it's not a problem for me to get up by five for sure like four four thirty is like feeling early but I often get up around five without an alarm clock so it's not like, um, it's not a big stretch for me, but um, there was a couple mornings where, yeah, I forgot to set the alarm and I just happened to sleep in extra that, that day. That was unfortunate. But yeah, the early mornings and coordinating where we're meeting and getting out of dark spot early. Yeah, those could be kind of tough at times for sure. I, yeah, and I think part of the difficulty with it is we weren't as familiar with the lands that we were hunting on, right? Mm -hmm. um, and when you're not as familiar, you spend a lot of time, well, uh, you know, I'll personalize this, but we because we were not as familiar with the lands, I think we spent some time kind of bouncing around to spots, not really knowing um, kind of the patterns of the birds that were on that land. Mm -hmm. um, so I think we did pick up some of those patterns, you know, getting out there and, and seeing what we did and seeing the action that we did. Mm -hmm. um, and where we saw it, I think gave us clues to how to hunt more effectively next year. That's right. And I'd gone out earlier, like pre-season, just to listen to where the birds were waking up in the morning. And um, I kind of went out to each of the spots at least once. So when the season started, we went back out there and listened again. And um, in some cases, they had moved. In other cases, they were there. But um, definitely by the end, we had a much better sense of where they were actually hanging out, for sure. Um, mosquitoes, like bugs in general, I just really don't like. So the first couple of weeks of the hunt season was beautiful weather. Um, mm. There was no bugs. It was lovely. And then the last couple of weeks of the season... It went downhill Opposite. fast. Yeah. The, yeah. It, the heat started picking up. The mosquitoes started picking up. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't do well in those scenarios. So. Well, and I think this is actually a really good plug for your thermosol because that thing has been a lifesaver. Yeah. So yeah, this, the second, the, the next my next question I have here is what gear was most useful and I'm telling you that thermosel I would not have hunted as much as I did if I didn't have that thermosel even some days I went so, out and it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be the mosquitoes 
But just knowing I had the thermocell there, if it did become bad, was amazing. Yeah, and for just for those who don't know what a thermocell is, just explain it a little bit. So it's a small device. It has a little, little, pro, little tiny propane tank, and that tank um, uh, fuels a heater that heats up a pad that has some um, chemical on it that mosquitoes avoid. And so um, you can set that down within two feet of yourself and it will clear like a, about a five foot radius, I think. <laughs> and, yeah, and um, it's just a handheld device. So it's super yeah. easy to bring out with you, right? Yeah, you can clip it onto your pants if you want and then just lay it on the ground when you're out there. It's fantastic. Can I ask a question about your thermosel? Mm-hmm. I am really curious to know if you found it effective for repelling ticks. Uh, I don't think so. I think I had it on and I still got a tick the one day. All right. For sure. Yeah. All right. Unfortunately, I think the only thing with ticks is like, you know, close up all the openings. So like <laughs> tuck your pants into your socks and have tight around tight around your wrist and I don't know I always find them like up on my shoulders actually is generally where I find them up on my shoulders and chest um because they they actually they will climb up on trees and out on leaves so they are often at chest height when I get them anyways very frustrating to deal with yeah I had one sort of in bed <laughs> like yeah. right at my stomach so it would have been right where my pants um like where the pants line is, right? So sitting right. down at the street for, for hours in the morning. Right. Yeah, you're just easy meat. So button up, button down. <laughs> and then they say when you get home, you should take a shower, like within yeah. within a couple hours of being outside, take a shower and that really helps. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Um, so the thermosel was one that I really loved. The other piece of gear that I have is a little holder for my calls. I have a slate. Well, it's actually a glass, right? It's a glass top box call, slate call, a pot call, a pot call. Glass top Sorry. pot call, I think. Wow. Yes, that's exactly what I've got. And I've got two strikers. And um, last year I've been putting them in pockets. And um, this year I got a little holder for them and I love my little holder. So I was happy about that one. Yeah, and for all you new hunters, <laughs> hunting is expensive to get into. It There's is. a lot of gear that you need. So like picking up those little pieces at a time make it a little bit more manageable. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, was there anything, Heather, that you thought you'd want to purchase before the next season? Well, since I lost my strikers in the field this season, oh, I'll have to get some new strikers. Yeah, I know. Um and other than that, nothing, I really actually liked your call holder. That was just really convenient because I, I find there's just never enough pockets to carry everything I need. Mm -hmm. um, and because the, the sticks and stuff can clack and make noises, I just like to be as silent as possible when I'm walking out. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was a really cool feature. I was kind of jealous of you all, all season. <laughs> <laughs> it was It was fantastic. So this season, so I have been making do with what I've had around me and that's, you know, oversized hunting gear and 
whatever. So this season I decided it's time for me to, I'm, I'm fully invested. So we're getting some like hunting pants and a good hunting coat. And um, a friend of mine actually happened to have some that she was trying to get rid of. So I got some for cheap, a nice um, shell and some nice pants. Mm. Um, and I'm, I really value having gear that fits properly because it really helps minimize the noise mm. as I'm moving out into the field. Yeah. And it, it um, I mean, if we're, again, if we're talking about ticks and stuff, like I don't want I don't really want a whole lot of baggy clothing and stuff. Right. So, yeah. yeah so it was really nice to have my own gear. <laughs> it was. And it, it's also yeah. the layering. So like I say, at the beginning of the season, it felt like I needed to wear my jacket and have, you know, thermal shirt on underneath. And by the end of the season, I was like, man, I wish I had a t-shirt. <laughs> and I yeah. don't have a t-shirt right now. I have a, a sweater and I have light jacket and a, and a thick jacket, but now I'm feeling like I, by the end of the season, although, I mean, by the end of the season, I was less into the whole hunting thing anyways, just because of the mosquitoes <laughs> and the bugs and whatnot. But um, having a t-shirt might be next on my list to purchase. I'm not sure. Yeah, and I feel like I would never go full t-shirt into the bush, <laughs> um, right. but a nice light like a- t-shirt material, long sleeve shirt would yeah. be really, really nice. Yeah, yeah. That, that might be even better. Um, yeah, for sure. And then we started off the beginning of the season wearing big, thick uh, rubber boots. And by the end of the season, I was wearing hiking hiking boots, which was fun, but Yeah. Making making that change about halfway through the season um, did help. I um I have this book by Survivor Man, um, and it's totally a kids book, and I don't care. It's amazing. Mm. Um, I wish I had the name of it. Um, anyways, look up Survivor Man's book. Les Stroud is his name, um, and in there he talks about adapting and overcoming. Mm. right and so I feel like our whole season was adapting and overcoming and adapting and overcoming (laughs) um the other thing is we only have one pair of decoys like a a jake and a hen and I keep thinking I don't really care if I have the decoys or not I'm not I'm never sure like how helpful they are but the few times I went out without uh, Jake and a hen, then I felt like, gee, I kind of wish I had some decoys here. <laughs> um, so I, yeah, I'm not sure about that. If we need to get another one and then um, we could split up and cover more territory. Um, I think that might be kind of helpful too. Um, yeah. And, and so again, I will say um, for all the new hunters, gear is expensive and for good tom decoy is like at least in our region it it seems to be like a hundred plus dollars for a decoy which is bizarre to me but yeah yeah as a poor starving student don't have that kind of money right now yeah (laughs) i wish i could make something yeah i think like just the jake and the hen though has been i i think is better than nothing so and they were yeah I, I didn't buy expensive ones it was like a I think a twenty dollar and they might have both been twenty bucks but they're the deflatable ones you just roll them up at the end of the season and stick them in your closet 
Where did you get them, Katie? I think from sale. Yeah. Yeah. Um, decoys. I, so when I, the first time we went out with one of your cousins, I asked him, what is the most important piece of turkey hunting gear that you would, that you would say? And he said the decoys. Like mm. that was right on the top of the list, I think. So yeah. that's just something that I, I really internalized. And I think because turkeys are so visually stimulated, like they, they see a movement or they see a shape, like they're just, um, yeah, I think the, the visual of, of seeing a turkey shape <laughs> at the very mm-hmm. least out in the field is enough to kind of draw them. Um, but again, I'm, I'm not a turkey psychologist. Um, so don't yeah, know. And- and I if feel that's like, accurate. I, like I see examples online of people um, being able to pull them in without a decoy because they're searching for the sound. We did have that experience with the hen who came looking for the sound. And actually this season two, um, I had a Jake come walking by me. And I think he was, once again, it was just like looking for where the sound was coming from. But I think where the decoys are like especially helpful is, yeah, in some cases they won't come unless they see evidence, but then also it's a place for them to stop so that I have time to like, or or at least for them to focus on. So if I'm moving or, you know, getting myself ready in position, they're distracted by the decoy rather than noticing, (laughs) noticing me over there with a gun. So I kind of, come to the conclusion that in order for me to actually be prepared to um to shoot one it needs to kind of be they need to kind of be doing their dance around the decoy to give me that right opportunity to take the shot yeah no to be fair that was my experience the 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 one turkey I got a shot at he was so distracted by the tom decoy that he didn't notice that we were like right on the edge of the field. Like there was not a whole lot of camouflage. We were against a a big tree, but um, Mm -hmm. yeah, he was so zoned in. (laughs) He was so distracted by that, that decoy. So (laughs) (laughs) the other thing I keep thinking would be helpful to have, and maybe I'll get this before the next season, the next Turkey season is um, a bit of a blind, even just like a small one. Mm-hmm. And you can get ones that are just small and you can rest your gun on the blind. I think I'm really weak because I find the gun kind of heavy to hold in <laughs> position. And so, you know, I need my knee up there to provide support for my arm. And I feel like if I had, a, you know, a, where I could rest, a, a blind where I could rest the gun on, that just might be a bit of an advantage for me anyways. And I might be more, I might have my gun in better position with, with something like that. Yeah. And I wonder if that's just evidence of you getting to know yourself as a hunter now a little bit more, mm-hmm. right? So you're more aware of your hunting needs, mm-hmm. such as needing something to kind of rest that gun on. Yeah. And it also helps with like the movement too. So, I mean, I, I can sit yeah. real nice and still for about an hour, an hour and a half. And then after that, there are parts of my body that can't take it anymore. (laughs) And I've got to move, right? Like my foot's starting to fall asleep or um, my bum is going numb or whatever. And I got to change my position. 
And there's not a whole lot of positions that are conducive to resting my gun on my knee or whatever. So it's in positions if, if something comes by, but it's not too heavy on me. So anyways, that's, yeah, that's one thing I think would really help. Uh, Any others? Well, I was just kind of reflecting on um, this. This was kind of a good season. And I don't know if this will um, be the same situation for you, but for me, um, this season really did feel like there was a lot of um, just moments of awareness of my sort of areas of weakness and areas mm. of strength as a hunter, mm. um, which gives me insight of, of kind of what I need to focus on um, intrapersonally. So inside myself, um, mm. as we go into the next season, right? So <laughs> getting my butt up earlier. That's a big <laughs> one. So, and the, you know, the list goes on, but yeah, yeah. Just, just really taking that stuff to heart and, and, you know, I, I want to be a successful hunter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it definitely is taking some dedication, some hard work, determination. And I, I mean, I'm enjoying it along the way as well. Uh, but yeah, there's, it's not as simple, just grab the gun, go out into the woods and bring something home. Uh, there's a lot that goes into, into learning this and becoming really skilled at it. Yeah. And thinking about kind of where we started with this conversation about what you're grateful for this season, I, I am so grateful that I've had you to kind of pull me along when I really didn't feel like it. And then I've been able to pull you along when I felt mm. you were losing steam. Yeah. Um, so it's been kind of helpful. It's like having a friend to go exercising with, right? You do it yeah. more and more effectively if you have somebody kind of keeping you accountable to it. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. I would not have got as far as I did <laughs> had you not been <laughs> asking me when's the next time we're going out. <laughs> And I can I can be a bother. I get it. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it's been really helpful to have um another person um even to just experience the newness of hunting with and fumble my way through this mm-hmm. with. Um mm-hmm. you know, it, it's comforting to not feel alone in that. Mm-hmm. And it's nice to um, you know, share resources. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Overall, I would say this was a really this was a good season. And I'm looking forward to the next. I think um, I'm not sure I'm going to be doing the fall turkey hunt, but I think I'll definitely be doing another spring turkey hunt for sure. Oh, I can't wait till the fall turkey hunt. (laughs) (laughs) Fall, I'm going to, I'm going to focus on the deer. I'm really excited about the deer hunt this year. So Mm. I'm really excited to talk more about it and yeah, play with the idea a little bit more. Yeah. Awesome. Well, great. Thanks for joining us on this uh, journey and this discussion, all of our listeners. It's been a pleasure. And um, till next time. <laughs>